At William & Mary, we believe today's business education needs to be more than just innovative. It requires a legacy of success, a focus on teaching, an emphasis on technology, and a practical hands-on approach. At William & Mary's Raymond A. Mason School of Business, our online, part-time, and traditional full-time graduate programs apply these strengths to provide the experience necessary to help you succeed. Visit us at chatadmissions.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Price of Football podcast, the podcast that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with two, I was going to say, the reason I couldn't say that properly, the little cough. As I was about to say, with two beautiful presenters, but <laughs> clearly my subconscious wouldn't allow me to do that, Kieran. I'm still. Um, this is uh, Kieran Maguire, by the way, the, the Baron, etc. Uh, I can't call him a professor because legally he's not a professor, but he's a football finance expert. Uh, I'm Kevin Day, comedian and broadcaster. I'm still slightly sulking about the fact somebody implied that you were you were younger than me. <clears throat> In a pot, somebody tweeted the other day that I would remember a certain band from the 70s but you'd be too young to remember it oh I missed out on that yes I, I thought you did because you didn't get a response but the, the person who did send me that tweet got short shrift because absolutely yeah, I, I, yeah, I pride myself on being the Dorian Gray of <laughs> comedy <laughs> uh, now so coming up this is a Kieran going to enjoy this because we've got some accounts this week we've got it's the battle of the accounts between Wolves and Swansea why clubs might be sacking managers quicker how the new immigration rules will affect our football and AFC filed. I, it's uh, it's an always an eclectic mix, isn't it? When we read out what's coming up on the, the that's the, right. Ra- random name generator. Basically, yeah, yeah. Jeff Stelling very rarely gets to say and AFC filed, and then before turning to Paul Merson to ask him about the new immigration points system <laughs> and how it will affect our football. Um, so let, let's get on to what you do best, which is forensic analysis of accounts. Um, I might I'll probably be in the front room with Ed while you. If you knock on the wall when you finish, I'll come back and tell you what the football scores are. Uh, so we got two sets of accounts released recently. Wolves promoted in 2018, Swansea relegated in 2018. So I, I can guess what the answer will be to this question. But what, what do these accounts tell us about the fortunes of a relegated club and a promoted club? Well, I mean, as as you rightly said, I mean this was a sort of a classic sliding doors moment between Wolves and Swansea. The results effectively came out at the same time. It costs an awful lot of money to get promoted. To get promoted, to yes. To get promoted. Okay. You know, yeah. cl- clubs, clubs in the championship are losing money hand over fist. All of them. Isn't, is, is that the case? The with, with the exception of Rotherham United. Oh, of course, who you've held up before as an exemplar of... Yeah. But they also tend to get relegated. That's, yes. Which and that's, is the, fl- the, that's, the fly in the ointment of that. Doesn't quite, <laughs> yeah. doesn't quite work in terms of football. Um, so, so Wolves, um, they, they'd been promoted in 2018. I, I think it's fair to say that they'd played superb football yeah. in the Championship, but they lost over a million pounds a week in doing so. A week? A million, million pounds a week. Uh, so, so that's, that's players, what... Players' wages? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they, they were paying out... Um, they paid out £192 in wages for every £100 that came through the door. Wow. And that wasn't the highest in in the championship because step forward Harry Redknapp and Birmingham City. You amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. Um, 
so so uh, yeah, that, that's that's the price you pay, and, and and the clubs are all willing to do that. They are all willing to to spend beyond their means. So Wolves as well. I mean, they're a club that would have been generating quite a lot of income as well, wouldn't they? So when you're talking about two hundred percent nearly of their income going on players' wages, that's a lot of that's a big chunk of money, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the wage bill itself was a million pounds a week. So you know, it's okay. it's it's a hell of a lot, and you got half a million pounds a week coming in. So you know, you, you do you do the maths. Um, that's no, the- you do the maths. Don't you panics me there for a second when you said do the maths. It's, a, it's the whole point of me hosting it and you being on that side of the that You do the maths. Um, going into the Premier League, their their income went up from twenty six million to one hundred and seventy two, and they're all of a sudden they were catapulted into the, the top ten earners in the Premier League because they played some brilliant football last season as well. And, and what we are seeing is that the Premier League is becoming increasingly incentivized as to where you end up in the table at the end of the year. Oh. So some money is split evenly. Um, some money is, is based on the number of appearances on live TV. So you get about an extra million pounds for, for every appearance above 10. And you're, you're getting two, two million pounds. That's going up to two and a half million pounds this season for every position you are in the league. So oh, okay. uh, all of a sudden, you, know, you might come to the end of the season thinking we've got a way match against somebody. It's fancy dress. The players are on holiday. Well, that could make the difference between 13th and 10th. Yeah. And that's seven and a half million pounds right. to the manager for right. next year's yeah. budget. So it, the, not, for, a pal- it, not a palace is not. It's another seven and a half million quid for him not to spend. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's where we are. Uh, you know, Wolves did extremely well. They, they've qualified for the Europa League. So I'd expect that you know their income could be could be touching two hundred million pounds this year. Uh, you know, for a club which which has had some hard times. You know, it, it was on the bridge of bankruptcy so, itself. Yeah, we're both old enough to remember. Locked, locked out the stadium, yeah, all that sort of stuff. I remember. Yeah. So, so the the, the classic pictures back, I think from. From, from you know, back in the day, as we refer to, so um, so to an outsider then like me, so that investment in the championship has paid dividends. Clearly, it it, it has. Um, they they made a profit of twenty million. It cost them fifty million in losses to get up. So they they need to stay in the Premier League right. for a few okay. seasons. And and if you talk to uh, chief executives of Premier League clubs, they say. Our best year financially is usually the first year we go up. And the reason for that is that you've recruited normally half a dozen players and they will come in on Premier League wages. And the existing squad will have had pay rises because it's built into their contracts. But it takes two or three seasons before all of a sudden you've recruited 15 or 20 players on Premier League contracts. And those profits actually tend to go down unless you are competing in Europe. I think that this is something to explore in a future pod, actually, because I, I think some fans don't realise the actual cost of being promoted as well. I certainly didn't until Palace was, just in terms of upgrading your broadcasting facilities, upgrading catering facilities to certain standards, pitch facilities. All there, there are quite a few hidden costs in being promoted, which I think we should look at uh, later on. So the other side of the sliding door, then, I'm guessing that the Swansea story is very different. Um, yeah, I mean, Swansea's, you know, Wolves' income went up by a huge amount. Swansea's income halved. Um, halved, okay. They they did manage to get the wage bill down, but they still had a wage bill of £50 million, which was the same as Wolves in the year they went up. Um, so, so Swansea lost over 30 million quid last season, 
despite being in receipt of parachute payments. And what they had to do, because their owners aren't willing particularly to subsidise the club, they they had to sell a lot of players, which they did reasonably successfully. Yeah. Um, and that included Dan James to, to Manchester United, and I think included Ayu to you guys. Is that right? Uh, two million quid, so it wasn't oh, right. a lot of okay. money, which at the time I didn't think was money well spent, but I've changed my mind now. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so so they, they made £30 million from player sales, so they they. They lost a, a little bit in the end, but what they're going to find is that this year their, their parachute payments will fall further and then they'll have one more year before they drop into the, the morass, which is the, the championship. Yeah. Now, in the championship, you're earning £7 million a year uh, in TV money compared to somewhere between you know, 100 and 120 for, for clubs in the lower half of the Premier League. So there is that huge gap which they have to fill. Um, they have sold Ollie McBurney, which will probably just keep them above the waterline this year. But if they don't go up, you, you can see um, a, a concern for that club if you've not got owners who are willing to subsidise it. And certainly looking at what Swansea fans have been saying on social media is they reckon they've got one more player perhaps who they can potentially see as being of some value yeah. and then the cupboard's bare so so this this process of of selling off your best players when you're relegated that's why it's called parachute payments it, it sort of ties in with that but you, you can end up in a situation where you can start dropping through the leagues very very quickly um if if you don't manage to to reinvest in in, in a better squad, it, it's Swansea fans will hate me saying this because I, I I get really cross when people say it's really difficult to get the sellers part. I said not for me, isn't? I can walk there in twenty minutes. It's the whole point. I support my local club, and for Swansea fans, it's very easy to get to. But it's a long way away. Swansea is a great place to go and watch football, but it is a long way away. And I, I'm guessing that in the Championship, it's harder to attract away fans, for example, down to Swansea. In the Premier League, you're more or less guaranteed to sell out your away from. But it, is that an, an issue? Will that impact on it, on it, their finances? It, it, it certainly won't help. I mean, I, th- I think the main thing is to get money in from your own season ticket fans. Um, the likes of Leeds and Forest and Derby, well, they, yeah. they've got magnificent away support yeah. wherever they're playing. So that that won't impact impact upon those. But yeah, if, if, if Barnsley are coming to, to Swansea, especially if it's on a Tuesday night, you, you can see the fans and, and you, know, you, you, you can't blame them at all for saying, well, we'll give that one a swerve. Yeah. Um, so yeah, gate receipts um, are down. Uh, you know, Swansea's gate receipts in the Premier League were were an irrelevance to a large extent that for every £100 that they generated, only £5 was coming through the turnstiles. Um, you know, that, that percentage will increase sharply um, if, if they stay for a longer period of time in the championship. Now, another club uh, published their accounts recently, and presumably a new one for you, because it's, it's the Man United women's team. Um, what do they tell us about the state of finances in women's football? We have talked about this in passing before, but there are very big club and the, the WPL were very keen to get United in there as quickly as possible, weren't they, when they formed? They're only two or three years old, I believe, aren't they? That's right. This was their, this was their first, first season, season of right. existence, which was in, uh, in Women's uh, Premiership 2. Um, and they did get promoted into that, into the first division. I think what, what is very noticeable is the gap between men's football and women's football. Um, the, the average uh, pay of uh, a player in the women's team, using sort of rough estimates, they're probably on around about £500 a week. Oh, um, crikey. 
Now, if you compare that to the first team of the men's team, the average there is 154,000. Wow. So that's that's a function of you pay people out of the money that comes in through the club. Um, they don't make a huge amount of money um, in terms of match day. But I think what they will find this season is that the match day income will increase substantially because they are playing City, they are paying Liverpool. Um, I've I worked with some guys from Everton um, and you know, they were very excited a couple of weeks ago when they were hosting Liverpool in, in the Women's League um, and they'd already sold 17,000 tickets and they really? were hoping that with walk-ups, because the match was taking place at Goodison as opposed to where they normally play, they could have had a crowd of 20,000. And unfortunately, it coincided with Storm something or other, right. Dave yeah. or yeah. Corinne or yeah. something. Um, and, and the match had to be postponed. And they're, they're absolutely devastated. Attendances at women's football is, is an issue which, which needs to be addressed, and I think the clubs are trying to be innovative. But I think what is good to see is is that now the the vast majority of clubs in the upper divisions are giving uh, some forms of women's football uh, an opportunity to shine. Um, it is a slightly different sport to men's football in, yeah. in terms of the different physicality of it. Um, but also, I think for if you are a fan of your club, it does give you another form of, of opportunity to support. But also, those those girl supporters at the age of 8, 9 and 10 who, who go along to the matches with their family, it gives them something to aspire to. Mm. And, and that has got to be encouraged. Uh, crowds are not brilliant at, at club level, but at international level, everyone's very bullish about the amount of people going to. So they've got the women's Euros next year. There'll be a game at Old Trafford, I believe. There's one at your stadium, one at Southampton. They'll probably all sell out, and that, I mean, and they're, they're big stadiums. So it, there is a level of interest in women's football, isn't there? That, that the clubs haven't quite tapped into yet. That's right. I think what we see in the women's game, um, and it's a bit like uh, men's cricket, uh, in that. The international game is actually very successful. Yeah, yeah, At a yeah. club level, it's it's not quite working as you would want it. Uh, if, if you take a look at what happens in the US, that effectively now that the women's team are, are earning more money than the men's team as far as the, the national US team is concerned. Um, and, and that's fantastic in a way. Um, but at a club level, the situation is, is completely different. How, how that is addressed, because... We know that we go to to watch our team for tribal reasons. Mm. It's the fact that you went with your dad or an uncle or a neighbour at the age of seven or eight and, and you were captured by the smell of the burgers, the noise, the the sheer theatre of it all. Noise? You're a Brighton fan. Where was the noise coming from? It was, uh, yeah, we were, <laughs> we were op- opening our quinoa, <laughs> quinoa salads. Yes, I understand. Yes, I, uh, yes. carry on. It's rude of me to interrupt, but Palace fans would have would have been cross with me if I hadn't done um so so how how do we build on that I think that that's a challenge and I think there is the potential because we've got some of the big London clubs are now clashing if they are allowed to use uh, the stadium uh, certainly Manchester United versus Manchester City mm. that had at the superb attendance Liverpool versus Everton um the groundsmen aren't keen on their their grounds being used too often outside of of the regular men's game, but it it, it will allow more people to go. Uh, but the, the international game's great. I mean, I'll I'll be buying tickets. Yeah. I'll, I'll want to uh, support on the lionesses. Well, also they'll be cheaper than the bloody men's tickets as well, which is uh, you revealing how much they cost. <laughs> That's right. Cost the eyebrows up and down. Your point about cricket is is a good one. Sometimes in the summer when I'm really bored, 
I will go to the Oval and watch a five-day county game, but only to remind myself that I hadn't been bored before because <laughs> you don't know what levels of boredom are until yes. you're there with 20 other people <laughs> on a Wednesday afternoon at the Oval. Not that I don't love, sorry, I, I don't. I like them, I don't love them. Uh, now, um, a political uh, issue. Uh, the government a couple of weeks ago released um, their proposals for a point-based immigration system. Um, it's caused some concern f um, from the agricultural industry in particular, the manufacturing industry, because they want to know how they're going to replace their woefully underpaid fruit pickers, for example. But it's, it's presumably new footballers, you know, footballers coming to this country will have to satisfy the points as well, won't they? That's right. Um, I think under the rules, um, you have to have a job offer from an approved employer. So um, whether football clubs will satisfy this particular rule, we, we have yet to find out. Um, you've got to earn at least 25 grand a year. So that shouldn't be too much of a problem. You've got to be able to speak English. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, right, right. yeah, that that could be a cause for concern. Yeah. Um, you you can see many people doing very very rapid uh, English uh, English language tests. I mean, we we do, we do benefit and we suffer in, in this country in that English is everybody's second language or is, is the most popular yeah, second yeah. language on the planet. Uh, but our language skills are absolutely appalling i mean yeah. if the if these rules applied to me if i went to try to get a job in france or germany i'd stand no chance yeah. um i think the other then there's some sort of secondary questions um do you have an academic record so do you have a, a degree or yeah. things that now, now footballers i think are going to struggle on that to pick up some any additional points which are required so this could have um, a significant impact. So the likes of David De Gea, Anthony Martial, you know, they wouldn't be able to come to England had the, the present or the proposed set of rules um, applied. Eric Cantona wouldn't have been able to come to England Good. and so on. So that is going to cause consternation. The Premier League clubs are opposed to these rules. They have fallen out with the FA because the FA is seizing this as an opportunity to increase the homegrown rule to in terms of the number of English qualified players who must be in a squad. Yeah. Uh, the Premier League clubs say, well, that's going to mean that we're going to struggle more when we represent the England in Europe because we're coming from a smaller pool. Are there going to be winners and losers in this? Well, there certainly there are. If you are James Madison, if you are Jack Grealish, your value on the basis of this is going to shoot up. Mm. Um, so English players are, are going to do extremely well. I think the fear is that the bigger clubs in the Premier League are going to harvest all of the decent English young players and effectively leave um, the other 14, for want of a better of a phrase, with the dregs. Um, because the, the bigger clubs can afford to pay the higher wages. They also know that the the smaller clubs will now struggle to attract talent from Europe because potentially those players aren't going to satisfy the points rule. And I can see it increasing the existing and ever-growing gap between the elite and the non-elite, which again takes away some of the, the romance of football. You want to go to a game of football, regardless of who you support, in the view that, You've got a chance, as opposed, and that chance is going to be further diminished as a result of these rules. Well, also because this is traditionally, I mean, this is one of the few leagues in Europe where that is the case. I mean, it's it's very much not the case in in Italy, Spain, France, Germany, 
Well, the chances are if you support a team at the level of Brighton or Palace, you're not going to get points against the Bayern Munich or Real Madrid. So, but in the English league, notwithstanding Liverpool this year, we've seen other results where the, the so-called top six will lose to teams that you know, Man City lost to Norwich. Exactly. But so again, and this is where I get so frustrated, and I know Guy will be crossing me for saying this. You know, there's no reason why people would go into the polling booth for a referendum thinking about football but the ramifications of Brexit go much deeper than anyone ever considered really don't they that's the problem and so I think there will be football people around football who just it, it didn't occur to me they'd have a knock-on effect to be perfectly honest but I mean what the uh, what, what the football authorities are now saying is that if they reduce some of the criteria um, for non-EU players, it could mean greater opportunities for people right. from Africa and South America right. to play in the Premier League. But those rules are already quite complex. Mm. And what we are seeing is that you've got clubs signing players in South America or from Africa, then bringing them across to other leagues in Europe, yeah. effectively parking them there yeah, yeah. until they then satisfy a European criteria, which allows them to come to England. Now, that particular avenue is going to be closing uh, as a result of these proposals. And I, you know, I don't care who people vote for. You know, they make their own decisions, and you, and you must always respect that. Mm-hmm. Um but the implications for the game we love is it's going to increase the gap between um, the clubs at the top and the clubs at the bottom. And it's going to make things worse for those clubs who are trying to compete in Europe. Yeah. And also what we saw, we've constantly seen with work permit regulations, for example, is that the more money your club has, the more likely you are to get a work permit for a particular player. And this will be the same. The richer clubs will find ways to get around any points-based system, won't they? That's right. Yeah. And um, I think we've we've now got a date for the, the head of Scottish football. Um, so, we, so we're having a chat with him um, early in March. And I think this will have even huger implications for uh, the Scottish game because the, the level of wages is so much lower. Yeah. And, and you do have so many players who have come from uh, the EU 27 countries who, ha- who have been plying their trade there. Will this improve the quality of Scottish football or diminish that? I think this is one of the questions we need to ask. Yeah, see, Kieran's pissed on my chips again, stolen my thunder. That was my big news for the end of the pod. Oh, sorry. That's fine. It's fine. I'm your civilian psychic. Is how it works. Yes, the long, the long promised Scottish special is happening soon. We have the head of the Scottish Premier League coming down uh, to talk to us about all matters of Scottish football. So if you have any questions for him or for us about Scottish football, uh, it's priceoffootball.com. Questions at priceoffootball.com. I beg your pardon. Um, one more story to cover. Uh, I had such a clever link as well between this last story in Scotland and it's just... It would never, the universe will never allow me to... to <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> um, AFC filed. Uh, we, we've been trying to talk about this story for a couple of weeks and, and time got away. So tell us what's happening there. Well, AFC filed is sort of one of, uh, one of these non-league clubs, which was uh, an amalgam of one or two things. And, and the club got a rich new owner. Um, and then it, it published its accounts uh, on Friday. So therefore, I was all over them like a rash because that's, that's how I roll. You were waiting outside the shop, I imagine, for, it to get, <laughs> for the van to turn up with the, the accounts on, thrown out the van. Yeah. 
Um, and, and they lost they lost 300 grand in the National League. Now, last season, I think they finished sixth or seventh. They got in the playoffs. They didn't get promoted. Um, and then I went through the small print and I found that um, they were sponsored to the tune of a million pounds by the club owner. Oh, okay. So they would have lost 25 grand a week had, had he not stuck this money in. And, and I sort of did some more ferreting around and it turns out that AFC files appear to be in the in the eyes of many uh, other non-league clubs fans. They are the new Salford City because okay. th- there's a lot of resentment that they've only got to to where they are um, on the back of, of having an owner who is prepared to, to bankroll them. Uh, you know, anybody that sticks a million pounds into a non-league football club. Part of me goes, well, hats off to you, you know, because you're not getting a lot of glory now. Yeah. Um, but uh, th- this is certainly causing bad feeling um, amongst supporters of other clubs. Okay, well, the moral of that story is people need to make their print smaller. There's, 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 there's no two ways around it. Oh, well, that, okay, that's an interesting one because we, we have talked about Salford in the past, but it's a subject that comes up quite regularly with the, the very rich owners. So we'll keep an eye on the AFC filed situation. Um, from I was going to segue into that brilliant, brilliant news about the Scottish... Special coming up. I'm now, so brilliant. sorry about no, that. No, it's fine. It's all right. It's good. I'll, I'll get other chips. It's all I, right. I think we've got a missing topic. Have we? I think we've got a missing topic. What's the missing from today? topic? Uh, it's all about the sacking of managers. Oh, good. we have got a missing topic. You're quite right. I turned my piece of paper over too early. So not only have I ruined the Scottish. Oh, this is all going to. Do you know what's going to happen? They're going to get two people in from Europe that satisfy the points system <laughs> and they can present a pod better than we can. Uh, yes, managers being sacked quicker. Um, this is all to do, um, and this was uh, this, this was given to me by uh, a guy uh, who is head of one of the UK uh, tax organisations. Um, from the sixth of April, um, if you make uh, a manager redundant, all of a sudden you're now going to have to go and pay national insurance on it. Oh, so previously you'd sack somebody and and you give them payoff. Now you're going to have to pay 14% more oh, because right, okay. when, when you make a red manager redundant, you're going to have to go and pay that to the government. So if clubs are thinking of getting rid of managers, and I don't want to see anybody lose their job, you know, uh, I think the, the, the nature of the fan base is that we, we seem to enjoy and feel vindicated when a human being's lost his job. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, you wouldn't wish that upon anybody else no, in any quite, other profession. So, right. um, so sort of the self-righteousness among some fans does, does bug me to a degree. Um, but if they are thinking of getting rid of him at the end of the season, and it's a fair payoff, and you look at uh, Conte's payoff at Chelsea, which was 26 million quid, you add 14% on top of that, that's another 3 million quid. Yeah. So could we see... If a club is sort of just washing its ass halfway up a division and the owners decided to get rid of the manager, could you see that instead of getting rid of at the end of the season, we're going to accelerate that sacking by the before the 5th of April and uh, therefore you get away with a, with a tax saving? Or, on the other hand, you could get a manager who deliberately sets out his team to lose so he can get more money by getting sacked before the 6th of <laughs> April. But. That's an interesting one. We'll we'll keep an eye on that. I've, we're keeping an eye on lots of things now. AFC filed, sacked managers, Scotland. Um, the Price of Football is a DAP DIP production. If you do have any questions for us, particularly for that Scottish special, uh, send them to questions at thepriceoffootball.com and we'll be back on Monday with more of your questions. The Price of Football.
This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. This is Creepy, a collection of the most famous and disturbing stories and urban legends from the deepest, darkest corners of the web. Hosted by creator John Grills and a cast of creepy narrators. New stories added every Sunday. Listener discretion is advised. Listen free on your favorite podcatcher or find us at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.